All right, welcome back to another Ask Scanner School session. This is session number 194 of the Scanner School podcast, Ask Scanner School, volume 36. This marks three years that we've been answering your questions. This is great. Not only are you hitting three years on this, which I just realized just as I hit record, but we're also hitting 200 episodes in just a couple of weeks. We've got a lot of great things queued up for episode number 200, and this is just one right after the other, after the other with the scan school. I'm really excited to where we are going right now. But right now, it's not about me. It's about you. It's about answering your questions. So everything we talk about today can be found on our website over at scannerschool.com slash session 194. And let's get on to the intro stuff so we can get on to answering your questions. Let's go. Today's podcast is sponsored by our two brand new training courses. Our free SDR course, The Ultimate Beginner's Guide to Software Defined Radio, will get you started with SDRs in an afternoon. We will show you what hardware and accessories to buy to get started with Software Defined Radio. Then we'll show you the step-by-step how-to to install the drivers, tune your first frequency with SDR Sharp, and then have you monitoring digital at the end of this free course. Our advanced course continues with beginner's course left off and levels up your SDR experience. In this course, you'll learn even more about software-defined radio. We will show you how you can substitute an SDR for your high-end digital scanner, how to monitor HD radio, monitor trunk systems and overhead data with Unitrunker, and even how to monitor all the talk groups on a system and never miss a beat with SDR trunk. You can sign up for both courses at courses.scannerschool.com. Before we start this week's podcast, I'd like to take a moment to thank our Patreon supporters. Patreon is a month-to-month sponsorship platform. We have three different support tiers, each with different benefits. But the most valuable tier is our $5 a month tier. This equates to sponsoring the podcast for about a dollar per episode. Now, not only do our $5 Patreon supporters receive the podcast early, but they also receive a commercial-free version of the podcast delivered directly to their podcast player. Some may say that the included squelchy sticker pack that is mailed to your home is the best benefit of the $5 level, but I think it's the community or the club that is growing at this level. You see, we meet once a month on Zoom, and we have a roundtable discussion about scanning, ask questions, offer advice. Some of the members are answering other people's questions, and we just talk with our fellow scanner school classmates. This is an exclusive group for our $5 Patreon members. Now, again, if all this wasn't enough at that level, you'll also receive discounts to upcoming Scanner School courses and offerings. Now, you can help support Scanner School by going to www.scannerschool.com Patreon or www.scannerschool.com support. Now, I'd like to thank all of our Patreon supporters at all levels, and they are Arthur Heron, Bill K, Brian King, Buzz Gold, Chris Paris, Craig Harper, Dan, Dave Pasco, David C, Denny Crotty, Ed Walsh, Edward Bramlett, Glenn Wright, Greg Johnson, Guy Lee, Jack Haycock, Jacques Berry, James Broxson, James Felling, James Peruta, Jay Reed, Jeff Block, Jeff Chapman, Jenny Taylor, Jim B, Jim Heinrich, John Keel, John Swinney, John Goldenberg, Ken Newberry, Kenneth Fowler, Kevin Zwicky, Lenny Bauer, Les Stevenson, Lynn Smith, Mark Beebe, Mason Kramer, Michael Gorman, Michael Kroger, Nicholas Stenger, Paul Steele, Randy Cummins, Raymond Hill, Robert, Robert Kanzler, Robert Kanzler again, Ronnie Bach, Sal Marandola, Terry Weatherford, Tim Azza, TJ, Todd Glendie, and William Arcand. Now let's start the podcast. Welcome to The Scanner School, a podcast dedicated to the scanner radio hobby. 
class is about to begin. Here is your host, Phil Lichtenberger. So welcome to Scanner School. This podcast is here to teach you everything to know about the scanner radio hobby. My name is Phil Lichtenberger, and of course, my amateur radio call sign is W2LIE. Now, as a reminder, to ask a question on this podcast, all you got to do is pick up the phone, dial 516-308-2885, or go to scannerschool.com slash ask. And if you fill out the email form or the use a speak pipe link, we will put your questions in queue. Now, if you use SpeakPipe or if you use our local number, again, 516-308-2885, you will be in the running for a free tutoring session. Now, tutoring is something I do to help people one-on-one. We use Zoom, and I can see your screen. You can see my screen. We can do a face-to-face, and I've done this quite a few times to help people over that little hurdle to help them get into something that has been bugging them when it comes to scanning, such as hooking up an SDS-200 to their local intranet, setting up ProScan to broadcast a scanner not only inside their home, but also outside their home. So they can not only listen, but control their scanner remotely as well. Even setting up Flight Radar 24 and expanding on those kinds of things as well. So again, we do a lot of stuff with tutoring. Again, you could book me online, scannerschool.com slash tutoring. But again, if you just leave me a voicemail number, you're in a, in a running for a free tutoring session. So at the end of this session, we're going to give away a free tutoring session. And normally, I would see you all tonight on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for our live Q&A session, as well as our Patreon supporters for Roundtable. But since yesterday was Labor Day, I mean, I'm recording this a whole month in advance, so this is really mind-boggling right now for me as I'm recording this. But since yesterday in the future, <laughs> since yesterday was Labor Day, as you listen to this live, I found it that people normally are tied up the day after a holiday and they normally don't show up for the live Q&A sessions. Plus, we have schools that are all just beginning and just starting this time of year. So depending where you live, right, it could be a week or two ago. It could be this week. could be next week. But I think it's best we postpone the live session until next Tuesday. So next Tuesday, September 14th, meet us live on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter for our standard live YouTube session. And also for our Patreon extra credit supporters as well. We do a roundtable discussion over there as well. So let's jump into our very first question. This this is a podcast full of voicemails. So it's going to be a good one. It's going to be a fast one. And it's going to be great because it won't just be me talking. It's going to be questions from you. So let's get on to our very first question. Rick, go ahead. You're up first to start this podcast. Hey, Phil. Uh, my name is Rick. I uh, My question is on cell phones. Can I listen to cell phones? Uh, but how do I determine the frequency that the phone is using? All right. Thank you very much. All right, Rick, this is a good question, and this is one I I normally don't see too often. So cell phones, uh, you cannot legally pick up here in the United States, which is where I assume you are coming in from. So there was a act that was uh, passed by Congress. This isn't even a FCC ruling. This came from Congress. And I believe believe it was part of uh, an act from 1986, but I could be wrong about that. But the longest of it was basically any scanner that was sold – in 1992 could not be modified or uh, made to receive the cellular broadcasting ban. And any radio that was currently in 
production at that point by 1994 had to be modified so that it couldn't be done. That meant that the market was really full of radios. In fact, you can even see a lot of radios in the market today back from that era that will advertise pre-band, pre-cell um, phone block or out of country or even for federal use only type of sales for scanners that still have the cell phone frequencies unblocked. Now, right now, it doesn't do you any good to have a radio capable of cell phones or not because times have changed and technology has changed. And I'm not aware of any single cell phone provider out there that has analog still in service. Now, again, I do work for a major cell phone company as my nine to five job. So we shut down analog long, long time ago. It's all digital only at this point. And you can't hear it anyway because it's all digital. It's all encrypted. It's all specially encoded and everything else like that. So it would be impossible right now to use a scanner to listen to any kind of cell phone conversation at all. So even though the the ruling is still there, it's one of these rulings now that is kind of an obsolete type of ruling, I guess you could say, when it comes to scanners, because there's no analog out there. To answer, though, the second part of your question, where can you find cell phones anyway if you want to tune around and, and hear what it sounded like. You can look around uh, the 860 megahertz range. There's frequencies up in 1900, 2100, 2300, 700 and change, even down the 600 range. Your best bet, look at Wikipedia and just look at LTE frequencies or LTE channels in the US and it will give you actually the center channel, the upper and the lower channel range for each block. There's a lot out there and these frequencies, I mean, they're they, they could be 5, 10, 25 megahertz wide for each frequency. These are, these are very wide, wideband carriers that are out there. So really, there's nothing anymore to do when it comes to cell phones. But uh, even back in the day when you could listen to them, the scanners that were out there, I mean, they didn't even land exactly on the same frequency. And, um, you know, it was some things people love to do, but it, to each their own. <laughs> right? So with that, it's it's one of these non non not gonna happens, so uh, but again Rick really good question thanks for bringing it up and uh, again this is every once in a while I do get this kind of question and I'm glad that we were able to address it here on the podcast so thanks again for listening and thanks again for your question. All right, our next question comes in from James. James, go ahead and ask your question. Hello, Phil. This is James Broxson from Pensacola, Florida. First, I want to thank you for what you're doing and the service that you provide to the scanner community. My question revolves around close call. I know recently you've covered the close call feature functions and how to apply them in the field. Question is, if I'm using close call with a scanner without upgrades such as Pro Voice, DMR, NXDN, will I still get hits from those systems? Will it show a hit without hearing the conversation, or just pass right over them. Keep up the good work, and I look forward to hearing your response. Thank you. James, this is a really, really great question here. And again, thank you so much for uh, your support and for asking this question here. So close call, how do you apply them in the field? If you're using close call in the field without upgrades, such as Pro Voice, NXDN, DMR, will it work for you? I have used scanners. Well, let's, let's back this one up. Answer is going to be a little bit different for Unidin Whistler, okay? So I've used Unidin scanners when it has the upgrades on them. 
it doesn't seem to work at all with NXDN or DMR. I, I don't have Pro Voice here. We've already sunset our EDAX network, so it's kind of a moot point anyway because Pro Voice was really just a, a voice channel or voice path on, on an EDAX trunk system. But it doesn't seem to work at all. It, I just I cannot get close call to work on DMR, P25, or NXDN on my Uniden scanners, even with the paid upgrade. And I believe it has something to do with the fact that it's not a constant carrier the same way that uh, that analog is. Or maybe they have filtered out because there's uh, used to be what was called a data skip on uh, on scanners. But that would, um, if you were scanning and it would hear digital noise, it would automatically go right back into scan mode. So it wasn't tied up on there. So that's part of that. But if you have like a TRX1 or a TRX2, they work just fine because they kind of do things a little bit differently than the Uniden stuff does. So with a TRX1 or TRX2, I've, I've used their signal stalker and have had plenty of luck using the... Uh, DMR or the NXDN. Of course, that's what memory seems to serve as uh, as I remember it. So it's just the way it works, nature of the beast. Your close call is really going to work best on a Uden product when it comes to analog only. So to quickly summarize and answer your question is basically whether or not you paid for the upgrades or not, your Uden scanner is basically just going to pass right over that as a close call. Whereas the Whistler, you're not paying for upgrades because it's built into it. Should have no problem with that whatsoever, again, if memory serves me correct. So, James, thank you so much for asking your question on this month's Ask Scanner School podcast. And we'll answer more questions after the break. As a reminder, anybody who is at our 3 or $5 Patreon level does not get this break. Everybody else, you can <laughs> kind of listen through it. So with that, you go to scannerschool.com slash Patreon. You can sign up and have this break removed. So uh, we'll catch you all in just a couple minutes with a couple more questions to be answered. Did you know there are ways to help support the Scanner School podcast that doesn't take any time or any extra money on your part? If you go to scannerschool.com slash support, you will find we have several ways that you can continue to do your online shopping and help support us. We have links to Amazon. If you click on our link before you go to Amazon, anything you buy from there will help support Scanner School. Now, if you're in a market for a brand new scanner, an antenna, other accessories, we have links to Scanner Master, where you can not only purchase a scanner and accessories, but you can also get your radio programmed. And by clicking on our link before you buy, you are helping to support the podcast. Now, if you're in a market for software, we have links to Butel. And if you want something new to you, we also have links to eBay. Again, just go to scannerschool.com support before you make your purchases, and you are helping to support Scanner School at no additional cost to you. This session of Scanner School is sponsored by East Coast Pagers. Now, East Coast Pagers is one of my online companies, and we are a Unication, Apollo, and Swiss phone dealers serving the North American market. Now, if you're looking for a personal use pager or one for your department, we can get you a quote at the very best prices. So why does a company like East Coast Pagers support Scanner School? I think that every Scanner Radio user should at least put one pager in their collection of radios. The reason why is very simple. It frees up your scanner to just do scanning, and then you have one radio that's dedicated to your local fire activity. Now, with a pager, you can have voice storage. You can do tone outs. You can keep it silent. You can go back the next day and listen to what you've missed overnight. It's more than you can do with an out-of-the-box scanner. And with today's pagers having multiple frequencies and even having multiple channels in a scan list, like the Unication G1 can do eight channels in a scan list. It has 64 memory channels, and out of the the box, it comes with 11 minutes of stored voice and 
a desktop charger. The G2s to G5s, they do P25 Phase 1 and Phase 2 in simulcast environments with stored voice, paging on conventional NP25. Oh, and they're upgradable too to DMR Type 1 and Type 2. They are more rugged than today's consumer-based scanners. And with a pager like a Swiss phone S-Quad, you won't even realize you're wearing one. It'll help keep you informed as to what's going on in your neighborhood. So again, eastcoastpagers.com or contact me directly, phil at eastcoastpagers.com. Do you have a new scanner? You're having problems understanding how it works? Maybe you're new to the entire Home Patrol database of programming and you can't figure out Sentinel. Did you get a new SDR and you're trying to figure out how to install it or you want to learn how to use Unitrunker, DSD+, maybe set up a Pioware, or even just make some changes and you don't understand how this system and the equipment works? The podcast might be great for you, but maybe you need a little bit more of one-on-one help with setting something up. I'm available to do just that with you with our private tutoring sessions. You can book me online by going to scannerschool.com slash consulting for a one-hour session. And it's great because we can actually share computer screens remotely, and I can guide you through step-by-step as if I was sitting right next to you. So again, book me for an hour at scannerschool.com slash consulting for your scanner radio one-on-one tutoring session. National Communications Magazine is your personal library of scanner, CB, GMRS, FRS, MURS, and two-way radio articles written by the best minds in the business over the past three decades. Your NatCom personal online access account allows you to download the newest issues of America's Hobby Radio Magazine, as well as back issues too. So visit natcommag.com to download your free sample issues and sign up today. That's natcommag.com for National Communications Magazine. Okay, so our third question of the month comes in from Jim. Now, Jim has been a guest on the podcast before and has asked the questions many a times. And it's always great to have another question from Jim on the podcast. So, Jim, go ahead with your question. Hello, Phil. Jim Peruta calling. I have a question for you. I just installed a new scanner antenna up in my attic. And I brought the cable down through the attic, down into the basement and over my scanner. I got an extra 10, 15 feet of cable now before the scanner. What do I do with it? Do I cut it off and put a new connector on? Do I loop it back and forth? Or do I coil it up in a circle? Right now, I have it coiled up in the circle. It seems to be working okay, but is that the most optimum thing to do? Thank you very much. I look forward to your answer on the podcast. Jim, really good question. So so really, the follow-up would be is what kind of coax did you use? Is it RG6? Is it LMR? Is it something else that you used? It all depends really what we're going to look at here and and how you're going to do it. So typically we like to circle the coax, right? You don't want to put any sharp bends in the coax because you don't want a chance, you know, breaking the center conductor is, is really what happens here. But again, if you end up circling the coax, you can actually make an RF choke out of it as well, which is something that you may not may not want to do. But I think what we're listening to here, you know, VHF, UHF, it's really not going to be a problem. Just put a nice casual bend in it here as well. But let's sit down. Let's do some math and let's figure out really, is it worth cutting it off and putting a new connector on the end of it or leaving it as is? So let's take a quick visual here. I'm going to just read this out loud for you so you can see what's going on when we look at the different types of coax and what 15 or 10 feet actually costs you. 
Okay, so simple LMR 400 at 450 megahertz at 10 feet is going to cost you 0.3 dB of loss. Your cable is 93.9% efficient. It's really minimal at this point. Now, if we up it to 850 uh, megahertz, still at 10 feet, you're at about a half a dB of loss on there. Or kill run efficiency is 91.7%. It's so minimal. This might as well just be a jumper at this point, right? I wouldn't even worry about it. So let's take a look at RG6 and see what RG6 would cost you if that's what you're using. So RG6 is a little bit worse at 450 megahertz. It's actually 0.7 dB loss or 87.1% efficient. And if we change this over here to 850 megahertz, we're going to find out we've actually lost one full dB and the kilowatt efficiency is 82.2 feet. Here's what I say to you. 10 feet, put a nice little coil in there, tape it up, right? Worst case is if you ever move anything, you've got 10 extra feet to play around with. You're going to want that anyway. Something changes. you got to pull on something or maybe you want to move things around your desk in the future. It's not hurting you right now too too bad, all right? I, I wouldn't cry over these last 10 feet here. I know it sounds like a lot. It can go across the room. But there may be a time and a place, you know, in the future where you're going to say, hey, I wish I had that, right? So, like I said, put it behind the desk. Coil it up, use some electrical tape on there so that it doesn't get kinked, doesn't get run over, doesn't get pinched behind a dresser, those kinds of things. And uh, I think you'll be all right. You know, I, I think I think you'll be you'll be pretty good with this one. By the time you you take off a new connector, put a new one on, mess around with it, the whole deal, it, it just may not may not be worth this time. To be honest with you, personally, I like to leave a little bit of extra coax on both ends of my run, just enough. I mean, things go bad. Just maybe you know, like, especially outside, right? You may want a little bit of extra there. This way, if something gets water in it, or you've got a change something on the mount especially again in the shack too things can change in the future and you decide you want to spin everything around 180 and and that's what you're going to do there as well so hey leave it alone it's all good and again thank you so much for asking your question okay we got another one coming right up all right question number four comes in from joe curtis joe go ahead with your question hello phil my name is joseph curtis call sign is kd9 CXU. Um, I was on the podcast before. Um, I've asked a couple questions and then I was on the podcast in regards to railroad monitoring. A couple questions about P25 systems. Um, I've read on radio reference um, in a couple of posts that there are new TDMA phase two control channels on a couple systems. Um, I'm just wondering if that's going to be a future standard or um, if that's just uh, going to be implemented on a few systems. And then also, I saw in some technical sheets for P25 systems that there could be encryption. I know we cringe at that word, encryption, um, but I saw in a couple of technical sheets that uh, there could be implementation of encrypting the control channel for better security of the systems. Uh, I'm just wondering if you have heard that and if that will be implemented in the future. I'll look forward to listening to your responses in a future Ask Scanner School session. So thanks. 
Hey, Joe, this is a really, really great question. Of course, when you asked the question when it came in, we had not yet released session number, what was it, 192, maybe, 191, where we talked about exactly this, P25 TDMA control channels. So I think really to echo what we talked about in that podcast episode was that it's not going to be a scanner radio killer. I don't think it's going to be anything that's going to be around coming on really soon all over the place. It takes It's going to take some time, right? First of all, the system has to be full phase two in order for a TDMA control channel to, to be implemented. It's just a lot easier to do it if you're bringing up a brand new system. So if you have existing systems out there, I, I really think it would take some time at this point to get that to happen, to get the migrate over to uh, P25 TDMA control channels. And uh, even, uh, you know, Motorola is not even doing this yet, right? It just seems like the only systems that are doing this right now are are Harris systems. And they just happen to be for utility companies, right, for power line companies. It may just be that these are the first two that are getting built. And it just might happen to be that it's coincidental that that happens. And we'll have to see. We'll have to see what happens with the next Harris system that is brought online and see if this is just what Harris is doing going forward. And, and they're going to end up doing that. But as far as encryption goes on the control channel, again, I didn't really do much research in this, but part of me says I don't know how well widespread this would end up being because, again, P25 is a uh, interoperable right type of protocol where you can bring a radio onto the network and it should be able to understand what the channel mapping is and the step sizes are and how to get on that network and everything else when you bring radio in there. If you're going to go ahead and encrypt the control channel, that may stop a lot of that from happening. But then again, who knows? You could have some systems where you get somebody that's going to want to do that. And that was always, you know, a fear for years. That was a that was a fear with the Motorola systems and everything else too, that you know, there may be some encryption when it came to control channels. So this isn't the first time I've ever heard somebody bring this one up with me. Or in general, I've seen them plenty of times. But um, as of yet, we have yet to see any type of encryption as, that I'm aware of on a control channel, whether it be a EDAX control channel, a P25 control channel, a Motorola Type 2 system, even on DMR and NXDN, right? I just, I just haven't seen encryption on control channels. So what kind of information, I guess, would they mask? Well, I guess it would mask the radio grants, the talk groups that are being assigned, the radio IDs that are out there. They may just leave on the basics information just how to get on the network right the WAC and uh the NAT code and those kinds of things so that a roaming radio could get on there but um i don't know i haven't seen anything yet that that would support that or anything else but again we could be talking about a whole new story in the next couple of years right we just we just don't know what uh what the radio uh radio gods will bring us so joe really great having you back on the podcast again thank you for being a guest back in the day and uh talking rail fanning with us that was a really great podcast episode as well and uh look forward to uh hearing from more from you in the future thanks again for asking your question all right, final question of the month goes to Garrett. Garrett is uh, also a frequent Ask Scanner School guest, I guess you could say here as well. And Garrett and I have also done many tutoring sessions as well. So Garrett, it's great to hear from you again. Why don't you go ahead and ask your question? Hey, Phil, it's Garrett here in the San Francisco Bay Area. I've been a longtime listener and really enjoy your podcast. I have a question for you. If you were to look up on radio reference, San Francisco city and county, there's a Motorola type two smart system here in San Francisco. 
And in that smart system, if you look at the police talk groups, you'll notice that they have broken out a dispatch mobiles and a service portables. And uh, just sort of generally as a radio operator, I think of a mobile and portable as two different types of radios, sort of a handy talkie and one that would be more sort of a desktop-based-esque form factor. I'm curious why they would break those two services out into different talk groups and why a distinction like that. Thanks very much for all the work you do, Phil, and look forward to hearing from you. Hey, Garrett. Really good question. I was really expecting to get right to the answer on this one, but looking at it, I spent the last, I don't know, 40, 45 minutes trying to dig into this one because what I thought was going to be an easy answer, uh, I'm not feeling so good now. So, for anybody who's playing along at home or in your car or you're out for a walk, whatever, it looks like looking at the San Francisco City Type 2 system, which is the old analog system, which looks like they're now moving things over to a P25 network. We've got basically a dispatch mobiles talk group, and then there's a service portables talk group. And this happens for the Southern Tier, the Bayview, the Central, and the Richmond type of type of area. I guess, I guess each one does three different districts or two different districts. And, and I was thrown off here. I thought for sure it was just a dispatch and a, and a mobiles or a dispatch and a portable. But they threw dispatch and mobiles together and then services and portables together. So I haven't listened to this, and I, I've been looking at – I went back to forum posts since 2017 on Radio Reference – I did a search, and the only thing I could find was one post that says, hey, it can't be any more confusing than San Francisco's dispatch and service talk groups they have now, now referring over to the new P25 system. So it seems like this is just confusing right out of the gate here. Well, what I was expecting to see here is what happens in New York City with the FDNY, and they actually have what's called a mixer. So what happens with the FDNY is you have a repeater, right? You've got inputs, and the field units, right? The mobiles and the portables will transmit on the input of the repeater. It'll go through the mixer and it'll come up through the output of the repeater. So we can all hear what's going on and everybody else can hear what's going on, right? The dispatcher, they transmit into the mixer basically and come right out the the transmit side of the repeater. So again, we could all hear dispatch. But every once in a while, you'll actually hear a transmission that says, hey, mixer off. And what that basically means is that the dispatcher is now not allowing the mobile units or the portable units to come through the output of the repeater. So it essentially becomes a simplex, or actually more of a duplex frequency. So the mobile units are still keying up on the same channel they were normally going to key up on, which is the input to the repeater, and they're still receiving on the output of the repeater, but there's no true repeater in play here. It's, it really is a duplex system. So that's what I was expecting to see when I looked at the San Francisco city, was that, okay, you'd have one talk group for, say, the dispatch, and one talk group for the mobiles or the repeaters, and again, that really didn't make much sense to me. So what I'm expecting here is maybe there's a layer involved. Again, I don't know, I wasn't listening to this on this on any broadcast feeds or anything like that, but maybe they've separated mobiles together with the portables, I'm sorry, the mobiles together with dispatch, and then once a unit leaves the car and they actually are on their 
portables, everybody knows they're on a portable radio because they're on a different talk group. It's probably a way of flagging that. Also, I guess if they're in the car and they've got the portables on with them and they go to keep the mobile unit, then they're not going to get feedback through their portable device. And it allows them to listen to, I guess, two talk groups at the same time. One talk group where the dispatcher would be on their mobile radio and they can hear what else is going on on a portable radio. So I guess if somebody's running down and chasing somebody, then maybe they can hear the foot pursuit as it's happening on their portable and also listening to the dispatcher on their dispatch radios. I don't know. Maybe hit the nail on the head on that one. I'm, I'm kind of speculating here. But I would love to know from somebody who's actually in the San Francisco area if uh, you can explain how this works because now I am intrigued. I'd love to know how this is all set up. Garrett, really great question here. One that definitely stumped me as to how this is all set up. And again, I've, I've spent almost, almost an hour – digging into this when I really uh, I, I was hoping to find an answer really quick for you, but but couldn't. So really, really great question here. And uh, again, if you if you come across an answer, I'd love to get a follow-up on this one as well and um, let me know. I mean, I, I really love to know how this works. So again, Garrett, great question and thank you so much for coming back on the podcast. Okay, well, it's that time again. It's that time to pick a winner in this month's free tutoring session. Now, again, if you want to join me and be tutored by me, again, this is like a consulting call, right? We use Zoom. We can use uh, Skype. That's easy for you. You can just call me, whatever works, right? But you got me for an hour. And I like using Zoom because we can use, right, not only get on camera, but we can also share information, share links. I can see your computer. You can see my computer, right? Those kinds of things. And again, if you want to book me for a tutoring session, it's scannerschool.com slash tutoring. And again, I actually worked with a gentleman over in Australia a couple of months back too. And uh, that was very interesting to uh, just to get him up, up and running and get him using the scanner for the very first time. So that was, that was a real fun thing to do here. So we've got five questions in the hopper this week we've we've got uh we've got a good number of questions we got a lot that came in and again i want more questions so 516-308-2885 call now before you listen to the rest of this podcast <laughs> all right so let me go ahead and spread some spreadsheet here i'm going to put one through five and again we're going to put the uh, questions in order so we've got here we've got rick we've got james we've got jim and we've got Joe, and then number five, we've got Garrett. And what I'm going to do here is I'm going to hit refresh. Well, there's five people, so let's hit refresh five times here. This way the number changes, right? The random number generator here, one through five. And uh, we will see who actually wins our free tutoring session. So let's go ahead here. So we're going to go one, two, three, four, five. James, James, congratulations. You have won the free tutoring session. So reach out to me, uh, phil at scannerschool.com. I'll give you a coupon code so you can go ahead and uh, use the tutoring link that we've been talking about again over at scannerschool.com slash tutoring. Uh, you enter in your coupon code when you book and the tutoring session will be free because you have won this month's free tutoring session. So Again, I'm asking you guys to please share the podcast with somebody you know who's going to benefit from these kinds of podcasts. It's our fastest way that we can grow the podcast is by having you share the podcast with somebody else. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast because you want to know when next week's podcast episode will drop. 
And finally, make sure you subscribe to us over on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, wherever it is that you hang out. That's where I hang out as well, although I really do enjoy Twitter the most at uh, this time right now. And again, next week, we will see you all live on those social media platforms. Not this week, because Labor Day, again, was yesterday. So with that, I want to say thanks again. My name is Phil Lichtenberger, and this is Scanner School. We teach you everything to know about the Scanner Radio Hobby. 73, everyone.